Hi, my name is Robert McMahon. I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, and I'm thrilled that you're listening. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to take this chance to invite you to let us know that you're tuning in today. We'd love nothing more than to help you start building meaningful relationships and to join you on the journey of faith. Just go to bgcovenant.org connect and let us know how we can be in touch. With that said, let's dive in and listen together to this week's message. Uh, before we get started this morning, uh, I just wanted to quickly mention that kind of as we spring our clocks ahead, we anticipate some warmer temperatures hopefully soon, um, that Easter is coming. Uh, and uh, starting next week, we will be following as a church, Pastor Kyle will be leading us through um, the weeks, the days leading up to Jesus's, through the Bible, uh, Jesus's death on the cross, and then that Easter morning when he was raised. And so starting next week, follow along with that. And then on Easter, if you don't have anywhere to be, we will be here for you uh, at 9.30 or 11 a.m. So mark that down on your calendars. But for today, I want you to think of a recipe. Everybody's got a recipe. Maybe it's not you that is the holder of the recipe, but there's always a family recipe somewhere. Maybe it's grandma's cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving or a special pie recipe passed down from your great-grandfather or something like that. Uh, We're obsessed. Maybe you're thinking of one, but we're obsessed with preserving these and passing them down. Some of you might have it engraved on a cutting board, like if you're really lucky, even in the handwriting, have you seen one of these? Or a special recipe card that it's like a rite of passage. Now that you're older, here is, boom. Uh, But we have these recipes that we preserve and we pass down and we are crazy about them. I could make you a pie this afternoon and it would be fine. I'd have to stop by the store first, but I could make you a pie and tell you, enjoy this. You would enjoy it more if I then said, this is my great-grandfather's recipe. Ooh, now that's a pie I can get on board with. Same pie, but a pie with a legacy attached to it. Mm, That's something special. Bourbon is another good example of this. Maybe you drink bourbon, maybe you don't. My family, I have family coming from the rolling hills of the south, and distilled spirits, if you will, are sort of like a liquid heritage down there. So this kind of stuff interests me. But bourbon isn't just a drink, it's a legacy. It's this craft that's passed down, and it's actually regulated by the federal government, this specific recipe. Did you know this? The federal government regulates this. So here's kind of like the grain mixture. Um, The federal government literally says... Bourbon must be made of a grain mixture of at least 51% corn. The government also says bourbon must be distilled to no more than 160 proof. That's about 80% alcohol by volume. Bourbon must be aged in new, not old, charred oak barrels. Very specific. And this one's kind of fun. Only whiskey produced in the United States can be called bourbon. So you can follow all the rules, do it in France. Sorry, that's not bourbon. It's like, I made the recipe, but you didn't put it in grandma's pie pan, so that's not grandma's pie. And there's more regulations, but it's because this isn't just any alcohol. It's a continuation of this like American heritage and legacy and adding too much of this ingredient or not enough of another. It's no longer bourbon. 
and we're crazy about. Did you know there are websites, because this stuff, you can't just pump this out. It takes a while, four, eight, 12 more years for a good bourbon to be ready. It's not just readily available. There are websites where you can track certain high-quality bourbons and their shipments to specific stores around the area and know when they arrive, and people legitimately do this. They track them and they show up before the store opens like it's an iPhone release or something, <laughs> except it's like Rite Aid. But because we're crazy about, this is not just an alcohol, this is something specific and special. What about ancestry kits? Maybe you've had one done, you've done one yourself, you've had a friend do it. I just recently bought one for, uh, as a gift for my dad for uh, Christmas. It was really cool. Uh, there's some stories that like, he's uncovered and confirmed through this ancestry kit that um, he had heard when he was younger, but wasn't, is that real or not? And I hadn't heard it at all, so like, I get to hear those stories. It's pretty cool. Uh, MIT Tech Review rightly predicted, based on 2019 trends, that just within the last couple of years, over 100 million people will have taken a DNA ancestry test. A hundred million people. This is crazy. This is a hundred million people spitting in a test tube, shipping it away to who knows where, so that we can get a piece of our legacy, of our ancestry, because we are just desperate to attach ourselves to a story that's bigger than just us. We long for that. And so we'll do all sorts of things, whether it's bourbon or a family recipe or an ancestry kit, just to get a taste of that. So some of you find yourselves in that category. You're searching for this bigger story. There's some of you in this room who have a story, and you're looking to pass that on to others. Adam Grant uh, is a, a leadership guy, and he recently tweeted this tweet. It's really interesting. He said, too many people spend their lives being dutiful descendants instead of good ancestors. The responsibility of each generation is not to please their predecessors. It is, it is to improve things for their offspring. Now, this last line is really interesting. To, it is more important to make your children proud than to make your parents proud. Interesting. So, whether you find yourself yearning to experience a bigger story for yourself, or you're longing for your story and experience to be heard by someone else, the questions we're asking today is, yeah, but how? How do we do that, and with who? And what I hope we'll find is that there is a legacy, there's a special legacy that we're made for, and it's inherited within the family of faith. Last week, we explored the first chapter of the book of Proverbs with Pastor Nick, and we talked about the life that we're training for and what does living wisely look like according to God and in this legacy of faith. And today, we're going to kind of zoom in and, again, ask that question, yeah, but how? How is it that this special recipe for life gets passed down and preserved? So we're going to pick it up in Proverbs 1, starting in verse number 7. The author says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We're going to come to that, back to that part in a minute. 
Listen, my son, he says, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They're garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. So it kind of gets poetic there at the end. Uh, actually, chew on that with me for just a second. Garland. We don't much wear garland <laughs> nowadays, um, unless maybe you're the winner of the Kentucky Derby or the Indy 500, and you get this giant rose thing thrown over your shoulders. But even like a chain around your neck, like we kind of get the picture, right? It's something special. Um, if, if you're the winner of the Indy 500, that's special, and there's like this honor attached to all these roses and the flowers and there's an aroma to them and all these things. And that's kind of what the author is saying about what? About the way of life according to God. He calls it the fear of the Lord, but it's the way of life according to God. And that's how we're supposed to think about that, that it's, it's special and honorable and beautiful and pleasing to be around. And to the ancient Jewish people, the people passing these sayings back and forth, it was very, very special because this is an important legacy that they're passing on. It's not just secrets for how to make a better batch of bourbon or how to be proud of your child one day and hope they have a good-paying career, but because the God of the universe chose these people as a part of his plan to save the world, literally. Save the world from their own bright ideas. Because that's how the story started. That's where our Bibles start. In that garden with Adam and Eve, they get an idea that they know better than God. And with one bite, our connection with God, the Father, was broken. We forfeited that. And then the whole rest of the Bible is okay, now what's God doing about that? Because that's not the end of the story. And the surprising way that he's choosing to restore that connection is that he's choosing humans, and specifically these people, to live life his way once again, and then to influence the world around them. And that's the legacy that's at stake here in ancient Israel. So as we look at Proverbs 1, the writings of these people how does that legacy get passed on? Because that's what we're asking. An author tells us specifically, he says, well, don't, or, yeah, don't forsake the teaching and the instruction of your mom and dad. Listen to your parents. But what's cool is not that it's just like, well, here's what you do. What I want to point out is that this is not just golden tablets from heaven. Here's the answers. What does he say? He says, listen, my son. It's a conversation. It's not just here's the answers. It's an actual conversation between a parent and their child. That we, sh we should sense and feel that real relationship there. And this is a way that shows up in other places in the Bible too, the way of passing on this legacy of faith. In the New Testament, a follower of Jesus named Paul writes a few letters, and a couple of them goes to a guy named Timothy, uh, who is kind of sort of Paul's apprentice in the faith and becoming a leader in his own right. And he writes these letters to him, and they read sort of this way, like Proverbs. Um, not quite so poetic with garland and whatnot, but 
still this passing on of how do you navigate life wisely according to the way God would have us do that. And so he starts the letter right at the beginning. He says, to Timothy, my dear son. Sound familiar? Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother and then in your mother, and now I'm persuaded lives in you. It was kind of like this sweet, like legitimate lineage of generations passing this faith. But what I want to go back to again is, while Paul wasn't actually Timothy's dad, there's this tender, special relationship there. I constantly remember you, he says. I long to see you. There's trust there, and it's a real relationship. And then Paul goes on to offer specifics about how to navigate life and his leadership. And we get to see it. Like, you have that letter in your Bible. You can open it, you can read it, and we can learn from that. But their relationship between Paul and Timothy, that relationship was real. We get to see it, but that relationship was real, and that was how this legacy is getting passed, with a real relationship. And so, if you and I want to tap into that sort of legacy passing, then we need to be a part of real relationships ourselves. But when the rubber meets the road, that's not always an easy thing, is it? Here's how you should live. Okay, not quite. Uh, My wife and I are still new parents. Uh, We have a little one-year-old, his name's Emmett, and we've been navigating uh, every new developmental phase from month to month And uh, now we're eating big people foods, real food, uh, but we still keep stocked these pouches. And some of them are these blends. Maybe you've seen these. They're blends. uh, They're like a smoothie. Some of them sound really good. Some of them sound less good because there's like salmon and kale. And I don't know if I really want that, but I'm sure it's good for you. Here you go, buddy. Um, And it just kind of supplements. And we just keep these on stock. And they're really easy to eat. You see, they've got a little cap. You undo it. There's a straw at the top easy, right? You'd hope so. (laughs) Well, uh, Emmett, being over one now, pretty much thinks he knows how to do anything, uh, and uh, he knows how to suck through a straw, but after a little while, it's a little harder to get the stuff out from the bottom, so you got to kind of massage the stuff up to the top, make it a little easier to get to, but He's kind of a big boy, and he'll do it himself. And so you've got to kind of fake him out, because if you actually squeeze the stuff up to the top, he doesn't want your help. I'm a big boy. I do it myself. And so if you actually squeeze it, a spray of blackberry, kale, salmon, and who knows what will go on every surface imaginable, and you didn't really accomplish your goal. It's, no more food is now in his mouth. We didn't really help, because I'm a big boy. I do it myself. He can't say those words, but that's what that means. <laughs> Translating for you. You're welcome. And that's okay for a one-year-old, right? He's learning. But Proverbs 1 tells us that that's a foolish way to live. 
that fools despise instruction. And we all have a little one-year-old inside of us, don't we? Don't tell me how to live. I do it myself. Oh, yeah, that's good advice for you, but I do it myself. Why can't I have that tree from the center of the garden, God? I do it myself. And then we find ourselves desperate and missing out on something but unwilling to grow up. And yet to access the fullness of this legacy, this special way of life that we're built for, we have to learn to trust the right influences in our lives and receive from them. And that last part's important. We have to trust the right influences, right? You're not just trusting anyway. This is a very specific, special way of life, so we're not just following people to follow them. And in a world of influencers, for followers of Jesus, we have to recognize that not just any influence will do to access the fullness of the legacy and life that we're built for. We have to learn to trust the right influences in our life. The one-year-old inside us shows up when we don't trust at all. I love how leadership expert Craig Groeschel puts it. He says, you know, the best way to trust someone is to trust them. Well, that's very helpful, Craig. Thank you. But he's right. What he's saying is that there is risk involved, but there's life to be found in trusting the right influences in your life. And to be fair, the blame can go the other way as well. Because sometimes it's hard to trust others when others aren't proving themselves trustworthy. If you're looking to grow your influence in someone's life, maybe it's not working because you're not proving yourself to be trustworthy. If you're more interested in telling me things than listening to the things that I might tell you if you asked, you're probably not building trust. Why? Because you're not caring about the things that I care about, and so why should I believe that you care about me? That's not to say that what you have to say doesn't need to be heard. If you are in the household of faith, if you're in the family of faith, you have a legacy, hear this, you have a legacy that literally changes the world. And the world needs that from you. The world needs that from you. But if you don't do the work of building trust first, then you might be actually becoming a barrier to that legacy when you could be a bridge. I heard a story recently of a grandmother who's been taking some time to get to know, spend time with her granddaughter. And I guess she's really into pineapples, the, the, the grandchild. And so the grandmother got a pineapple tattoo. Okay. What a cool grandma, first of all. <laughs> I hope I grow up to be a cool grandma like that one day. That's not how that works. But what a cool bridge of trust she's building. Like, you're into that? Cool, so am I. Look. 
whoa, cool. And, and now think of the opportunities she's going to have to be able to share her life and her, and her legacy with her grandchild. That's so cool. But here's the kicker, though. I'm talking about olders and youngers and all that. This is not just an older and younger thing. No matter your age, no matter your age, we're actually called to do both. Let's look back at that letter to Timothy in the second chapter, where he continues in telling him, he says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, and the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to other reliable people. Entrust it to others who will also be qualified to teach others. Did you see it? Obviously, young Timothy is receiving from Paul, right? We get that much. Paul's giving wisdom. Timothy's like, cool. But then he's instructed, okay, now give that away to others, who are then expected to take that same posture, receiving and then giving it away receiving, and then giving it away. And this is what the legacy of faith should look like. Why? Because it's not just any legacy. It's special. And we need each other to experience the fullness of it. And so we live this way because the God of the universe became a human, and gave up his life this way. To reopen that way of life to us. Remember, the story started with us forfeiting that connection to God in the Garden of Eden, and then Jesus comes along, and through his blood and sweat, reopens that possibility in another garden, in the Garden of Gethsemane, later on, just before the cross. From garden to garden, what was forfeited is now ours again. And if we live this way, we can experience it. We get the privilege of sharing that with others. And it's not just your, your grandfather and your, your blood grandchild, but we get the privilege of reuniting our neighbors with the God of the universe, with the Father once again. And yes, our children too. But it's up to us to trust the right influences and to become a trust builder in our lives. So, can you identify those people in either direction? Who are those people in your life? Whether you've been at this for a while, following Jesus, or you're not sure you want to follow Jesus at all, one of the best ways to find out and to find those people is by spending time with his people. Some of you need to open yourselves up, ignore your inner one-year-old, and seek out at least one other person in your life with more experience in the faith that you might learn and receive from. doesn't mean you become their twin, but they have something to offer you. And maybe that person's in the room right now. I challenge you to own the weirdness of this. When we're done here, if you think that person's in the room, you can go up to them, make sure they see you, 
even if they're in a conversation, and you can say, hey, I know this is weird, I don't know you, you don't know me, but maybe we can change that and spend some time together. But who is that person in your life? Some of you need to start investing your time in building trust in others' lives so that you might earn the right to be heard in their life. What sort of opportunities might God present to you to pass along your experience, your life, if you just started being curious about others and what they care about? But if you're still thinking, yeah, that sounds great, I want that, I just don't know who those people would be. We'd actually love to help you with that. This is going to sound like an announcement. It's not. We'd like to help you with that. This is why we spend so much time here in our community talking about community groups. Because community groups aren't just this other thing to put in your calendar for your life so you can feel good about yourself. Look, I did a religious thing. It's real people. It's real relationships, and they meet in real people's homes. And what a cool opportunity to spend time with God's people, to learn from one another. Maybe that's the step you need today. And it's as easy as when we're done here, stopping at the info center and saying, hey, I'd like to maybe check out a community group. Or go to bgcovenant.org community. It's as easy as that. But we've got to find those people. We've got to find them because this is a special way of life. In order to access it, we've got to put ourselves in relationships where we are giving and relationships where we are receiving because we were made for this. And because of Jesus, it's ours to inherit and it's ours to pass on. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for making a way for us to be reunited, to be connected with the Father, with the ancestors of faith, to experience you and the life that you want for us, that you have for us. So thank you for making a way. Thank you for people to share it with. It's because of you that it's possible And we just want to give you praise today. So help us this week to find those people, put people on our hearts, Lord, whom we might share this life with, whom we might receive from. We look forward to seeing you at work. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Hi again. Just a reminder to let us know that you're listening by heading over to bgcovenant.org connect. If you're ready to be known, we'd love to know you. And we hope you'll join us soon, every Sunday, in person or online. Thanks for listening.